0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about Tick Pick. Tickpick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack a Day podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred
2: sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast.
1: What's happening, Packer fans? Welcome into the Pack a Day podcast. Happy victory Monday. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Packers get a big 17 to nothing win over the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think this is exactly the game that we were expecting. You know, we were expecting Aaron Rodgers versus Russell Wilson. I hope you pick the under and not the over, as maybe a lot of people could have easily expected with those two quarterbacks. But in a day when you have Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, the best throw of the day, of course, was Carlos Dunlop throwing a shoe, go figure. This was not exactly an offensive juggernaut battle from either side. Green Bay's defense does a tremendous job holding Russell Wilson and the Seahawks to zero points and really kind of shuts their offense down through the entirety of this game. And for the Packers, you could tell Aaron Rodgers coming back, the offense just looked a little disjointed. Rodgers wasn't exactly himself. And I think both of these quarterbacks coming You know, off of some extended absences, I think played a part into this as well. But definitely an interesting game, but one that goes in Green Bay's favor. As again, they pick up a 17 to nothing win. I had the pleasure, as I mentioned later last week, of actually being in the stadium back in my seats. uh, You get end zone seats, so I kind of get the all 22 as I'm watching it live, which is always really fun, kind of seeing what Russell and Aaron are seeing down the field just the atmosphere at the game was absolutely amazing. Uh, Of course, Lambeau Field cold, you get the first snow in Green Bay of the season, and it happens on game day. And, you know, just again, a tremendous atmosphere. Crowd was good. I, I thought everything was really great. I did, as I posted up on Twitter for the very first time in 30 plus years, get asked to sit down after a Third down play, of course, where, you know, they're literally asking the crowd to stand up and make noise. So uh, that was my first time. And it's funny because I always hear these stories and people say, Oh, the crowd in Lambo is so terrible. And you know, I, I've seen a couple things here and there, but I've never been asked to to sit down or really heard of it. And, and a couple things. I thought maybe A, maybe it was Milwaukee, you know, season ticket holders. I don't know. You know, maybe it just wasn't my section. Maybe I had a really good section uh for the past 30 years. Um, you know, I, I didn't know, right? But I definitely didn't, you know, I definitely knew these things happened. It just I, I never saw it with my own eyes, despite going uh for 30 plus years. But lo and behold, uh, you know, sitting right behind me and again after a big third down you know asking me to sit down and i just kindly turned to them laughed at them and said there's no effing way and here's the thing right my section's pretty cool about stuff and the, what i mean by that is the we're, it's not like the entire now in playoff situations yes everyone's standing the entirety of the game but for the most part in a regular season game there's you know, when the offense is at work, you're generally sitting down unless there's a play in the, the you know the end zone where you're trying to see and things like that. If the play is far on the other side of the field for the most part, we're kind of sitting. We're still making noise and everyone does a really good job in our section of making noise. But yeah, you know, again, for the most part it's a it's a it's a smart crowd. Like we're everyone in our section is sort of standing at the right moments. It's not standing at inappropriate times. It's not sitting when you should be standing People are standing in the big moments where they really should be standing, no more, no less. So uh, for anyone to get upset at, at that specific, and the, I think the really great thing is I was able to tell her after, I'm like, you can literally hear them on the Jumbotron saying, stand up, get out of your seats and make noise. So I was able to point and say, they're literally asking us to stand up. And then uh, the person said, well, I guess I understand that. And then she said, no, I don't. And then I'm like, all right, I don't don't care. And then we continue to stand, you know, in big moments the remainder of the game. But uh, other than that, other than that one small iota and my first experience with being told to sit down at Lambeau Field a uh, fantastic experience, fantastic game, great crowd, uh, awesome environment, and again, if if you have not been to Lambeau Field, uh, it make it a must happen situation. I know sometimes like people feel like, well, if I don't have season tickets, I can't get tickets. That is not the case. You can absolutely find tickets. Might have to pay a li- you know pay a little bit more uh, here and there, but for the most part, you can definitely find tickets, and it is you know it is worth it no matter what you pay it is absolutely worth it uh, i don't take it for granted anytime i'm in that stadium and this was another just fantastic atmosphere and uh loved every second of it so let's let's get into uh the actual game in and of itself in and of itself though excuse me let's start on the defensive side of the ball because listen anytime you hold a team scoreless in the NFL and i don't care if it's you know, some third string quarterback, I don't care. If you hold the team scoreless, you have done an incredible job in a game. And when you hold the Seattle Seahawks scoreless with Russell Wilson, with DK Metcalf, with Tyler Lockett, with Gerald Everett, with that entire team and how good that they are, um, you know, I know that maybe they haven't been the most explosive. I don't care. Like this has the ability to be a very talented team. They have plenty of weapons on offense. And Green Bay's defense was nothing short of fantastic in this game. And yes, Seattle had a couple opportunities they could have maybe taken advantage of and they didn't, uh, but don't take anything away from the Packers' defense. I thought they played, once again, fast, intense football. And if all you need to do to see where this defense is at right now, go to the very last drive of the game, 17-0, two minutes less, You know, two, less than two minutes left, there's not much left to play for, Right. That defense wanted that shutout. They were still ball hawking. Preston Smith got the sack. That defense still cared. If there's one trait that I can tell you about the Packers defense right now, they care, they they are motivated, and they hustle. This is a team that is playing 11-person team defense, all flowing to the football, on the same page, playing together, and it is fun to watch despite not having Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith. And at this, in this game uh, for portions of it uh, with no Rashawn Gary and so on and so forth, uh, I could not be more impressed with the job that Joe Barry's done. And as Matt LaFleur pointed out in this post-game press conference, this is a week to week league, right? So maybe the next four weeks, they give up an average of 30 points a game and we're saying, oh, you know, the defense is ter- is is terrible and whatever, right? But what I, what I said last week, and I still believe to be true, the things that this defense is doing and putting on tape is repeatable. The effort, the hustle, rallying to the football, playing together, being on the same page, communicating well, all those sort of things. And when you do that stuff well, it's tough for you to have low lows. And you know, as Mike Wall talks about, you want your highs higher, you want your lows higher, you're trying to consistently get better. And right now, I believe that the Green Bay's lows on defense will be much higher because of those things that they're doing down in and down out. And you can tell that this really matters. They want to be a good defense and it is translating into actually being a good defense, a shutout against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. And oh, by the way, they have now held Mahomes, Murray, and Wilson to a combined 34 points in three weeks. That's an average of 11 points a week. Again, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, that is incredible. This is the first time Russell Wilson's been shut out in a game in his entire career. This is the second week in a row where Green Base held their opponent, again, Chiefs and Seahawks, Mahomes and Wilson, to under four yards per play on offense as a whole. Both the Chiefs and the Seahawks under four yards per play on offense, which is incredible. You put all the stats together for Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, again, three of the top tier quarterbacks in this league, 62 out of 110 for 56.3% completion percentage, 601 yards. That's an average of 200 yards per week, one touchdown, four interceptions. Again, Murray, Mahomes, Wilson, 62 of 110, 56.3 completion percentage, 601 yards, one touchdown, four picks that's incredible. And again, you might say, well, you know, the, you know, the, the Cardinals were on a short week and Hopkins was banged up and the, the, you know, chiefs weren't the same. And that offense isn't the same explosive offense, you know, Russell Wilson's coming back off. It. Look what the Raiders uh, in chiefs game this week, look what the chiefs did to the Raiders, 40 plus points. you know, Mahomes threw for five touchdowns. That's what that offense has the ability to do any given week because they're that explosive and Green Bay didn't do that. They held them tough. They held them tight and made that game, com- you know, competitive despite Green Bay basically doing nothing on offense. This defense has been great, and they are trending in every right direction possible. And what they've done against those three quarterbacks to allow Green Bay to come out with two wins and Is there any real question that if Aaron Rodgers was playing against Kansas City and that defense played the same, that's another win for Green Bay, and they'd be nine and one right now? I don't, I don't think that's a hot take in any way, shape, or form. So. Kudos to the way that Joe Barry has this defense playing and just the way that these players have really rallied together and started playing some amazing football. And how did they do it in this game per uh, NFL stats? Green Bay played six or fewer defenders in the box on 97% of the plays in this game. So those are very, very extremely light boxes in fact, that was the second highest percentage of plays with six or fewer defenders in the in any game on defense this entire season. So Green Bay basically dared them to run the football and they couldn't either couldn't do it or wouldn't do it. I thought Green Bay's defensive front even TJ Slayton was resetting the line uh, from time to time. I thought Lancaster had a couple of nice stops. Kenny Clark of course, thought the linebackers played well. But when you're playing a 6-man box, you had better stop the run because otherwise that safety's got to come down, that safety's got to come down to the point where Chris Barnes even said in post game, listen, our defense is holding up so well at the uh, on the front that even when Seattle's going play action, our safeties are still able to stay back. And that is huge. If your safeties don't have to take those false steps up, then you can still continue to play over the top. And that limits DK Metcalf and that limits Tyler Lockett. And that allows your corners to be more aggressive underneath. And if you're playing zone, keep your eyes, you know, jump jump throws and things like that. Cause you know, you've got two safeties playing well behind you and they're gonna be able to get the angle that they need to make a play on the ball, which we saw in this game on multiple occasions. So love the way that defense is playing, love the game plan that they had for Seattle. And we're seeing an NFL right now where if you're not willing to run the football, with uh, in or can't run the football against a 6-man box, you're going to have a hard time winning in the league. Everyone's playing two-man, you know, two, you know, two-man shell and and playing far off and making sure that there's no explosive plays. If if you're seeing 6-man boxes and you can't run the football or you won't run the football, you're going to struggle to put up points right now. It is a different NFL than we've seen over the past few seasons and you better have a plan to run the football. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore, because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game. Attending my first game in the new Vikings stadium, cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. Speaking of running the football and the offensive side of the ball, uh, I thought the offense struggled in this game. And I thought a lot of this was just due to Aaron coming back and being rusty. I thought he missed a couple throws that he normally makes. Of course, the poor interception in the end zone had the play to Devontae on the first drive that, you know, could have potentially been picked. Um, Just some uncharacteristic plays from Aaron. Uh, But I think my larger takeaway, and let me start by saying I think the biggest thing here was just Aaron coming back and reassimilating himself in the offense. I don't have any major concerns with the offense moving forward. I do think the offensive line needs to get better. I do think they will get better when David Bakhtiari comes back and hopefully things solidify a little bit. But I do think we're to the point now in the season where I I don't think Green Bay's found its identity yet. And I don't think they found their rhythm yet. And I think that's something that Green Bay really has to work on. And as far as identity goes, I think a part of that is what do you want to be on offense? What do you want to accomplish? And I think, you know, we saw for a little while that the, the identity was really, you know, establishing Devontae and, and to an extent Aaron Jones. I, you know, obviously Jones, you know, had the injury. We'll get to that in a moment. But I just don't think that that's an identity. And I think, you know, the Malifleur offense starts with the stretch zone run game and the outside zone, I should say, and they need to figure out a way, you know, and then, and then based off of that, you're doing bootlegs and then you're, you're building the offense entirely off of that. And I haven't seen that same Matt LaFleur offense where one play leads to another later and you have this balanced attack and everything's playing off and complementing each other. I haven't seen that. I've seen more spamming play calls where you're trying to, you know, get it to Devontae or where Rodgers is changing things at the line and taking quick smoke screens to the outside. And inherently, that stuff isn't necessarily bad because what Rodgers is doing is taking situations where, you know, there's a call run right and there's, you know, Devontae to the outside and the, corners playing off, so you've got a quick smoke screen to the outside. They're over stacking the box. So you snap it, quick throw to Devante, and he's able to pick up three, four, five yards. And that's as, you know, better than a run play, right? And certainly better than running into a, you know, a crowded box where you're trying to run the football. So uh, inherently that stuff's not bad. But I do feel like it's almost at the expense a little bit of what Green Bay's trying to develop with any sort of rhythm or complimentary football on offense. And I just don't think we've really seen this Matt LaFleur offense in the way that we expected or the way that it's intended. And I think they've got to find that rhythm and identity over the course of the next few weeks to get back to that point where they were playing and having such an amazing offense last you know, last season. A lot of that was red zone offense, which Seattle's really good at red zone defense. We saw some of that in this game, but I still think Green Bay needs to find a little bit more rhythm, a little bit more identity, a little bit more consistency. I do think it starts up front. I thought the offensive line had a pretty good game. I'll be excited to watch it on the All-22 Uh, But I think they can be better. I think Aaron can certainly be better than he was in this game. And I just think they have to find a little bit more rhythm and consistency and identity. All right, let's talk about the bad news. Green Bay cannot, cannot, cannot get out of a game without some fairly big injuries to some fairly big players. Now, I think we ultimately actually got some fairly good news based off of what it potentially looked like. I think there was some fear there that maybe Green Bay lost Jones, Merciless, and Rashawn Gary for significant time. It doesn't look like that at the moment. Um, Some of this is still preliminary, but uh, Tom Silverstein was able to confirm that Aaron Jones has his fourth MCL sprain. Uh, He missed two games in 2017 with a left MCL. He had two uh, other MCL sprains that were towards the end of the season. So tough to tell if he would have missed time. I'm sure he would have missed some, but tough to tell just how much. And now this is his fourth one and we will see, but I would expect him to be out at least two games Probably more than that, but we'll kind of get an update on that as the week goes along. He could be an IR option, but it's going to be up to AJ Dillon and Patrick Taylor for the you know the upcoming future. You know, what a bummer that Kylan Hill is hurt because you'd love to see some more Kylan Hill in this situation, but of course, he's out for the year with an ACL injury as well. I think Whitney Merciless, I'm bracing for the worst news there. There's just very few things where if you have a bicep injury and you're out for the remainder of the game, where there's good things. Usually that ends in a torn bicep, and I don't want to speculate here, but usually that's a torn bicep, and torn bicep is done for the year. So hopefully that's not the case. I have no idea. I'm not a doctor. I'm sure there's other things that you can do, uh, but not a great sign for Merciless, and and I th- I really thought he was playing good football coming over from Houston. It's a little bit of a bonus, uh, you know, be, you know, being able to have him. You know, he certainly wasn't somebody that was on the roster to start the season. It was a great pickup by Gudikins, but you know, you'd love to see him uh, still be able to play. Hopefully, it's something where he can return this season. But not holding my breath. Then the other, you know, semi good news with Rashawn Gary is a hyperextended elbow, but the initial report said that there was no breaks or ligament damage. They're going to run an MRI on Monday, but if they survived no breaks or ligament damage, that would be really, really big news for Rashawn Gary. So hopefully that is the case. If Gary and Merciless are out, Green Bay is very much down on their edge rusher death chart. Remember, they just released Ladarius Hamilton over the weekend. They could probably pick him back up, but Green Bay was basically down to just you know uh, you know Preston Smith and you know not much else. And uh, Jonathan Garvin at edge at the end of that game, they used Oren Burks a little bit there, who has played some edge in the past, but. You know, again, just disappointing that they can't get out of a game. Just when you think that maybe they're going to start getting healthy and maybe Bakhtiari and Zadarius can come back, you just see these new injuries. So Matt LaFleur mentioned that Jair Alexander is still a ways away, but they're help. you know, hopefully he's going to play this year. Uh, he also mentioned that Zadarius was probably at least a few weeks away and then they kind of reevaluate. So, doesn't necessarily seem that Green Bay is going to be getting any of these guys back in the near future. And I'd look at probably post-buy, maybe David Bakhtiari before then, but you know Green Bay is going to be as cautious as possible. But kudos to Green Bay once again, despite all these injuries and COVID list and everything else, they remain on top of the NFC with a 8-2 record. So whatever they're doing, they're doing it right. But you, you you know Green Bay is going to need these players come playoff time couple other just small news and notes. Uh, Another missed field goal this time looked like this was on Mason Crosby, which I think this may sound weird, but I think that's kind of a good thing. It looked like the snap was good. It looked like the protection was good. It looked like the hold was good. And yeah, you know what? I I saw people already like, oh, Crosby's got to go. He's too old. Like this is the first time I think that Crosby's had something that legitimately looked like it was his fault. So and of course it was a little bit windy too and things like that, who knows? But Crosby's the least of my worries with the protection, the hold, the snap, everything like that, right? So if you if you tell me for the rest of the season that the protection, the snap, and the hold will be good, I have full faith that Mason Crosby will be just fine. It did look like this one was on him. I'm not, again, long snapper holder mechanic guy. I can't tell you a million percent for sure, but the snap looked good. The hold looked good. It looked like it was tilted right. It looked like Crosby had a chance to make it and just didn't. The extra points for the remainder of the game, the two extra points, both look good. So hopefully things are getting cleaned up a little bit, but I'm sure still work to do, and again, this one looked on Mason Crosby. Looked like they used a little bit of a rotation at cornerback with King, Stokes, Razul Douglas, kind of rotating. Uh, King and um, Stokes got the start, with then Douglas playing a little bit more later. So definitely seems like they are going to rotate those guys in. I don't know if it's to keep it fresh. I don't know if it's just because they got they have all of them that are playing well. So why the heck not? But I thought all three of those corners played well in that rotation. Um, Some standouts from this game, I thought Kevin King had another really nice game, of course, coming up with the interception. I give a ton of credit for AJ Dillon for the way that he ran in this game again, running really hard. And then, of course, in the screen game as well, he was active. So uh, getting touchdowns, getting first downs where there was very little room to run. He was a he was a jackhammer in that game and it's it's fun to see him when he when he has the ability to move piles despite there being no hole whatsoever. And then Adrian Amos, not only in inter, the interception, but ball hawking at the end of the game, making a big tackle on Gerald Everett by Keying it and you know making a nice play in the open field. I just thought he had a fantastic game and one of his best games of the season, who has quietly been having a, another really nice season for Green Bay as well. On the flip side, I thought Alan Lazard had a tough game. You know, a couple contested catches, the third down or fourth down that he dropped, and then there was a beautiful throw by Rodgers right over the linebacker. It was kind of an extended catch by Lazard. He couldn't come up with that. Thought it was a little bit of a tough game for him. You might say, well, Andy, some of those were were pretty contested, you know, maybe tough catches, but as El- as linemen El- are, El- that that's where you make your living. You're not a, you know, I'm going to get free releases and gain a ton of separation guy. I'm not four three forty guy. You're like you're, you know, you have to win at the point of attack because you're not the guy that's going to gain a ton of separation against corners in this league. It's just not your game. So you have to figure out ways to really make plays in contested catch situations. He didn't, and it cost Green Bay. On a couple occasions. And then I thought Rodgers too, again, just a little bit off, not totally unexpected, uh, but you know, you, you know, there'd be a couple throws that he would like to have back and I'm sure he's going to bounce back against Minnesota next week. But again, um, I think a lot of that was just to do with, with not being with the team for, for 10 days straight. And you could tell he was tired and Matt LaFleur mentioned the team was tired. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I'm sure Matt LaFleur is going to be a little bit more cautious with the the practice minutes this week. But, you know, with two big games left against Minnesota and LA, you know, prior to the bye, you know, he and his staff has to figure out a way to make sure that this team can, and especially with how beat up they are, uh, to get through these last two games and, and try to do as well as possible before getting that much, much, much needed late bye rest week. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, of note, Matt LaFleur did mention that he thought, you know, the kind of the team. Uh, is a little bit tired at this point in the season. So worth monitoring as they head to Minnesota. And then last but not least, when our teams going to learn not to do the belt? 3-0 game, Jamal Adams intercepts uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, does the belt celebration, all in excitement. And from there on out, 14-0 run by Green Bay to end the game. And it's a 17-0 Packers win. You do the belt, you're probably going to lose more often than not. Someday, players will learn today was not the day. Nice pick, Jamal Adams, uh, but uh, of course, you ruined it with a belt celebration and Green Bay went on to win 17-0. So I guess, uh, you know, Rodgers should maybe allow the other team to to have, make a big play early just to see if they do the belt and, and kind of curse themselves for the remainder of the game, I guess. But nice game again for Jamal Adams in all seriousness, but Green Bay ultimately came out on top. That's gonna do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate it. I'll be right back here tomorrow on the video version of the podcast. Of course, we'll have a brand new episode for you on the audio version as well. Make sure you are subscribed to both if you are not already. Hit that like button. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.